the Urban Binge Radio Podcast, where we discuss viral topics, hot jams, new artists, fun, and informative interviews and conversations. This is your new stop for the hottest trend in urban culture news. Two shows, one podcast, The Urban Binge Show and Sunday Flow Show powered by The Urban Binge. The Urban Binge Radio Podcast. Listen anywhere podcast can be heard. Haters like, am I going to hell for the things that I could wear? I ain't going to hide my blessings when I know it's made away. I'm going to sweat it Let's get into some more hot topics or some more facts. Fun fact number four. Dr. King's best friend, Ralph Abernathy, and many of you have heard of him, wrote a tell-all book after Dr. King's death, detailing King's infidelity, calling it um, the unfaithful king or the un, the, un, the, un, the unrighteous king or something like that, something he named it. And um, Coretta Scott King was saying, you know, um, Scandal Sales. She says, Scandal Sales books, fidelity does not. Um, and she said, my husband was no saint. She contended, but his faults were confined to things like stepping out of his pajamas and leaving them on the floor. Those were his faults. You see, so she, she really went to bat for Dr. King, no matter what Ralph Abernathy wrote in his book. And that's so unfortunate that Ralph Abernathy felt the need, um, or so, so, so broke that he needed money to, um, go so low, go so low as to write a tell-all book on open it go so low as to write a tell-all book on um his best friend dr martin luther king uh that's crazy anyway ralph abernathy's tell-all book um i think i said as much as i can say about that it was just really crazy because i believe he even um uh, ralph abernathy in his book you guys have to go look this book up ralph abernathy's tell-all book on dr king you'll read everything you have to see uh he talks about how dr king even uh slept with women the night he was killed so in 1968, when he was shot dead, um, he was dealing with the women in the hotels. So he would purposely stay at these hotels where he had already met women um, and women that he knew uh, were working at these hotels. He would stay at these hotels, you know, to, to meet up with them and cheating on his wife. So constantly being on the road, but getting new puss here and there, you know what I'm saying, which is very hurtful. And that's why I think Bernie's keen is so the way she is now because she's been so sheltered being the baby that she didn't get the real deal news until after her mom died and that's so unfortunate that she's been shelter brained 
for so long that she didn't get the raw real news until after her mother's passing that your father cheated or the FBI recorded it intentionally to uh, spite him and to spite his wife and send it to her in hopes that she would be pissed off and turn on him and spite him back and she did not spite him back um, and that's just that's amazing uh, but Ralph Abernathy is like Judas you know it's like Judas he just completely turned on this man for a little piece of change and I would say go buy the book because it's still a piece of history and it's a good read it's some good tea from a man who walked right next to Jesus see not Jesus but Dr. King you know kind of sort of right next to him so um, you know it's a good buy and of course it will support the Abernathy family if they need any support I'm pretty sure any money um, that's you know that that people you you know any any money for that book it goes to the family uh so you should go read it or just read excerpts from it on the internet and you can see where abernathy talks about dr king slapping a woman at the hotel before he was killed uh and was actually dealing with two women one of those women have come out and done an interview before and discussed her relationship with dr king and discussed knowing he was married but you know not being able to ward off the fact that this was Dr. King. First of all, he was handsome. Second of all, he was of a certain caliber in the black community. So me having sex with Dr. King is a plus for me. So she thought because she's nowhere today and still was at the hotel cleaning up. Uh, and Coretta was number one. So you see? I believe that the FBI had uh, something to do with that conspiracy. It seems to me that, that uh, the surveillance that my husband under as we travel around the world by the FBI and the things that have already been revealed that are on record point toward the FBI having certainly known what was happening and if there was some conspiracy there uh, that they should have known who the people were that were involved because he was under constant surveillance and I cannot believe that they would not have known about all the plots and all the people and where they were at, uh, at various times. Anyway, fun fact number five is that, uh, did you know, allegedly the FBI back then recorded Dr. King cheating on his wife and mailed it to her to listen to it and or watch it and Coretta Scott King never believed it. She had, um, she did an interview and she had many um, you know, uh, excuses. I have to admit that she had a really good, compelling um, rebuttal that would make you say, wow, she loves him. Like, no matter what anybody says this man did, she's going to stand by her man. And what I have to say to him, I'm going to say to him in private and not in front of everybody. And that is, um, of course, Scott King. So she, she, um, so another thing I wanted to talk about, speaking of, um, you know, Coretta's whole outlook on the scandal, she's like, look, uh, sex sales, scandal sales, but the truth and fidelity does not. So that's all I have to say about uh, Abernathy's book. And that's probably pretty hurtful. She straight up came out with it at one of the interviews saying, what a lot of people want to know is how I feel about the infidelity. I don't feel about it. I love him and I stand by my man. So um, that was Coretta Scott King's whole position of it, which, you know, a lot of high-class women and women in relationships of higher calibers uh, typically take that route, especially political relationships. Um, they may not want to be considered political, but in some way they are, um, in some way they are 
um, political a political relationship, Dr. King and Ms. Greta Scott King. So it's not unusual that they would say, I'm standing, I'm not some Tammy Wynette standing by my man. I think most Americans would agree that it's very admirable that you had, have stayed together, that you've worked your problems out, that you seem to have reached some sort of an understanding and, and an arrangement. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, but <laughs> wait a minute. You're, you're looking at two people who love each other. This is not an arrangement or an understanding. This is a marriage. That's a very different thing. You know, I'm not sitting here as some little woman standing by my man like Tammy Wynette. Yes, the hell you are, because you stood by him. Anyway, um, Dr. King family and Dr. King had trust issues. Like I said before, towards the end of his death, you could see his neck become on a swivel and his eyes become like our eyes. They were looking everywhere as if he knew the dark spirit was coming towards him or like a Judas was around him, somebody who he can't really trust. I don't know who it is, but somebody who I can't trust, somebody giving the FBI tips, telling them where I'm going to be, when I'm going to be, how I'm standing, where I'm standing, how I'm talking, where I'm talking, how I'm moving, every movement that I make. Um, and so he probably was feeling that heavy on himself and just had to completely, um, you know, rid himself of it and go out on the porch and say, you know what? Give it to me. What? <laughs> Whoever got it coming, come on. What you think you're witness now is the, the man who came by to get King to take him to dinner. And 30 years later at a press conference, he slipped because God do baffle your mind sometimes. We will revisit the mountaintop speech site. That's the Mason Temple where Dr. King made his last address, which he almost didn't make because the night that uh, we were having that rally, there were tornado warnings that he was behind on the Poor People's Campaign. And he said, you guys go on over and have the rally. I want to stay at the motel and work on the Poor People's Campaign. When we got there and Dr. Abernathy walked in and Jesse Jackson walked in and I walked in and others, people started clapping because they thought Martin was behind us. And so Ralph's preacher sent, said to him, this is not our crowd. And he went to the phone and called Dr. King. And that any of the marches that, 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 that we had in those days, you have an opportunity to bring the children and bring the family and march with us. And when I finished sharing with them the last hour of Dr. King's life, I hurry. But that gave me the wonderful privilege of spending the last hour on earth. Three preachers in a room, Abernathy, King, and Kyle. And we spent that last hour together in room 306 at the Lorraine Motel. The press is always curious and writers, what went on? What did you talk about? I say, we just talk preacher talk. What preachers talk about when they get together. Y'all pay your attention to what you're fixing to hear now. About a quarter of six, we walked on the balcony and he was talking to people in the courtyard. He stood here and I stood there. Only as I moved away so we could have a clear shot, the shot rang out. Thank you. I turned around and then I back on the balcony. Listen. Oh, 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 oh. Wait, wait, listen, listen. Listen. Thirty years later, his brother never realized he would slip 
say that. Yeah, that's what it seemed like when he stepped out on the porch. Like he knew something was coming. Not only that, it was so many people, so many people people knew he was going to that hotel to stay it shouldn't have been that way he should have had security nobody should have known he was going to that hotel to stay um and how you know they knew is because when he arrived it was people all outside um cheering him on so they knew he was going to be there they were cheering him on um like a celebrity and um he knew he knew that someone in his camp someone very close to him was drenched in a judas dark judas spirit you know i say dark judas spirit because judas wasn't you know fully dark he was like half and half you know he had some issues but he loved lord he loved jesus he loved his friend but he was having him anyway in fact i wound up being the last judge hearing the james earl ray matter did he in fact assassinate dr martin luther king and had he not died and his local attorney not died in close succession it would have been my finding that he was not the gunman that Remington 760 Game Master they've got in the Civil Rights Museum is not the murder weapon. It's not even close. And it was a two-man hit team that killed him from the fire station dormitory. It wasn't the flop house and it wasn't in those bushes. So yeah, I got into the deep details of Dr. King and that three or four year period that case was kicking around in front of me. So you're saying that the, the James Earl Ray did not kill Martin? No, he didn't get. Even, and see, even though most people... Well, he, he, he didn't kill him, right? He didn't kill him. Uh, it's interesting. The homicide file for the Memphis Police Department reaches the same conclusion back in 1968. Uh, they entered their file in protest to the DA's office. Their conclusion was Ray is not the gunman. He was not even in Memphis that day. We know conclusively where he was. So why do you think he got convicted for the murder? Well, he didn't get convicted. He pled guilty. You have to understand, though, the news media puts it out as he was the self-confessed killer of King. That's not true. All through the transcripts, the entirety of the record, he never confessed. And often he said, I never said I killed King. I didn't kill him. I'm pleading cause of Alford. That's A-L-F-O-R-D. It's a moderately old U.S. Supreme Court case. And it says, even if you are not actually guilty and you are pristinely innocent, you may plead guilty to the charge if you think that doing so is in your best interest under all of the circumstances as you know them to be and you're doing so freely voluntarily understandingly knowingly advisedly and intelligently so ray had gone through all of these and it lost but there was something that came up modern scientific methodology took away one further necessary element. All of these things had to be there and the state had to have a reasonable factual basis upon which to proceed otherwise. The thing the state relied upon was the rifle, but modern scientific methodology excluded that rifle from being the murder weapon. The bullet they pull out of King's body has a rate of rifling twist of one turn in every 11 and a quarter inches. The rifle that Ray had had a rate of rifling twist of one turn in every 10 inches in a bad manufacturing defect that is not apparent on the death slug. Uh, he was shot with an XM-21, it's a 7.62 by 51 millimeter NATO caliber weapon with a special stainless steel barrel, a three to nine telescopic sight modified by a company known as Leatherwood. It was a Redfield sight and they used special subsonic ammunition with a suppressor on the end to reduce the velocity of the 
bullet to below supersonic to confuse the sound signature. The shot came from the dormitory in the fire station through a window that had been slightly parted. They were several feet inside. It was a two-man team, a spotter and a shooter. That's what he got killed by. Uh, if you shoot somebody at that closer range, which was about 50, 60 yards, with a 30 caliber rifle anywhere in the torso, if the individual is standing next to an emergency room, it's a non-survivable wound. But what they did is they took a head shot they almost missed because the bullet was reduced in velocity. It hit King on the right cheek, took out some molars, wrecked his tongue, came out between his jaws, left the body, hit his clavicle, ricocheted under the skin that covered the clavicle, nicked his carotid artery, went over his right shoulder, down across the back and lodged between the left scapula and his back skin and the bullet never penetrated his thorax. Now that sounds a little weird, but it's not uncommon. So he bled out from the nick carotid artery and they almost missed the shot. And Ray was nowhere around. So had he lived, you would have actually found James Earl Ray not guilty and released him from prison? Well, he would have been close. He had another involvement in this whole thing and that was that he was a willing part of what amounted to a conspiracy. He was one of about four or five alternative scapegoats. And they picked him for a number of reasons. I did talk to a Captain Tommy Smith, who retired as head of homicide for the Memphis Police Department, who was the first detective on the scene. He said the shot couldn't have been from the flop house because there was a window that he was supposed to fire the shot out of. And who told me that? I never found out. He said, but there was a limb about this thick growing diagonally through the window, and you couldn't even see the Lorraine Motel from that location. He said, I came back with crime scene in about an hour and the whole tree had been cut down and I found out there was a cut down order sent out to the sanitation department early that day, but they were on strike, so they weren't going to cut it down. So coming up next, everybody is the praise mix. What everybody comes to the show about what everybody loves the show about. Every time I post the show, everybody hit us up and say they like the praise mix, the praise mix. Can we keep the praise mix? Can we make the praise mix a little longer? This praise mix is going to be a little longer. Um, I added a couple of more songs in there, so the DJ going to let it rip a little longer. And uh, let's get into these jams. This is the Sunday Flow Show right here on the Urban Bench Radio. Sunday Flow Show right here on the Urban Bench Radio. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back to talk more hot topics and more jamming gospel music. I'll be right back. You, you, you're listening to the Urban Binge Radio. Sunday Flow. Praise me. Yeah, yeah. I know that he faithful till I'm in the grave. Seven, seven, nine, nine, twenty, twenty. 
we been the same. Yeah, yeah. Crazy as it is, I still ain't been afraid. Yeah, yeah. I just still believe it's gonna be better days. Plus, my mama told me it'll be okay. Saw your parents get an ugly divorce. Yeah, know you lost your job, but trust me, you will survive. Know it helped you provide, but God is still your source. Only yeah, you yeah, can yeah. take the worst thing and turn it to the best thing that ever happened to me. But I never question why it took my friend If you could see the product that's coming out of pain, boy That'll keep you smiling when you standing in the rain, boy God, he never promised we could pray away our problems But I bet a million dollars he'd be with us all the way He'd be with us all the way He'd be with us all the way Yeah Bet a million dollars he'd be with us He'd be with us all the way you're listening to the Urban Binge Radio. Thunderfly. Praise me.
my bad. Hello? Hey, this Ty, they won't let us in. Well, somebody let Ty Trivet and G.A. in the building.
You're listening to the Urban Binge Radio. Sunday Praise Mix.
started speaking the tongues I think a mother started saying This is this is the Unvinged Radio. Thunderflow. Try to relate to me We should let it go Let the healing flow Take your time and breathe Can I take a trip Round the world and realize I have company You're my brother and You're my sister and we share community Why is everybody still fighting Why is everybody on hybrid Killing each other and hurting our mothers and babies Stop fucking Ever get along? Yeah, we sing the human song. Everybody ring the bell. Secrets lying to tell. I've been searching for, you've been searching for. We wanna know the truth. I've been searching for, you've been searching for. We wanna know the truth. I've been searching for, you've been searching for. We wanna know the truth. What's your dharma? Is there karma? Everybody's pulling at me. Some be Muslim, some like Jerusalem, but personally I like freedom. Never tasted it, but I've wasted it on violent energy. Pointing the finger and flip the same finger and kiss the dagger siege of. Why is everybody still fighting? Why is everybody on hybrid? Killing each other and hurting our mothers and babies out of corporate greed. Will we ever get along? Can we sing the human song? Everybody ring the bell. Secret lies to tell. I've been searching for. 
And you need time to breathe Why do words have so much weight But nobody seems to push down Martin Luther was a black man With a white man's inside Can you blame them If the Indians don't really like Thanksgiving Epidemic I don't get it Unless you didn't clean my needle Lots of money don't mean anything Some people's a lamb, some like Jerusalem, but personally I like freedom. Some be Muslim, some like Jerusalem, but personally I like freedom. Some be Muslim, some like Jerusalem, but personally I like freedom. Some be Muslim, some like Jerusalem, but personally I like freedom. Urban Binge Radio Podcast, where we discuss viral topics, hot jams, new artists, fun, and informative interviews and conversations. This is your new stop for the hottest trend in urban culture news. Two shows, one podcast, The Urban Binge Show and Sunday Flow Show powered by The Urban Binge. The Urban Binge Radio Podcast. Listen anywhere podcast can be heard. You're listening to the Urban Binge Radio. We'll be right back. This 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 is the Urban is Binge the Radio. Sunday
This, 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 this is the Earth and Games Radio. Oh, oh, oh. 
sleep on like i always say is b slay that is b slay okay the person that sings my intro the person that does the exit for the urban bench is b slay now for this show sunday flow show of course as you know you know the voice that is kiara kiki sheared for this show but any other show on the urban bench or on rebel tv on rico blucci it's I mean, Rico Live is b slay okay opening and closing period no if ands or buts about it okay that was B. Slade living in the world. Make sure you guys go check out his band camp. Okay, I can't stress it enough. If you want to hear the music, everybody be like, who that last song is? Who that? It's called Disguise by B. Slade. And the first one is called Established by B. Slade. Um, those are, that's the intro and the exit. Disguise is the exit. Established is the intro. And that song was called Living in a World. Living in a World was the final song. And um, in the praise mix, I mean, we had Kier Kishir, Sunday Flow, Reppin' My God which is our intro, like I said. And then we had B. Slade Hup, and we had B. Slade Freedom Truth, and we had um, uh, Jasper Street and Co. featuring Ann Nesby. That's praising his name. And then we had... You don't want it? Okay. And then we had Mary Mary Walking House Mix, and Mary Mary Trayvon's Birthday, uh, Happy Birthday by Stevie Wonder, and The Truth featuring Deshandra Lemonade. Uh, yeah, so I love that Lemonade song. Jay let me hear that Lemonade song. Jay was in the car riding, and she was like, uh, did you just hear this? And I'm like, no, I didn't. What, what, what was it? And she's like, listen to this girl singing. And I typically don't really care because people don't um, impress me with their singing unless they can really, really sing. And when I heard it, I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, who, what, huh? Who was that? And I went and downloaded the song immediately. So the truth featuring Deshandra, you guys, everybody whose song I use, I do not own the rights to any of those songs. Um, I've tried to mix them up a little bit so that you guys, uh, so that it doesn't take away from the original piece. I really apologize if I did take away from the original piece, but um, that's what we're going to do over here. We're going to play music and we're going to inspire people um, right here on YouTube and right on my podcast, Rico Live on YouTube and the Urban Bench Radio on the podcast. Make sure you guys check it out. Shot at the Lorraine. Bad 
received in the emergency room at St. Joseph Hospital at approximately 6.15 p.m. Well, I just was told that he had been shot. The report I got was in the shoulder. It was serious. That was the report I got from Reverend Andrew Young. He is in the emergency room and he is in critical condition. And there was, oh, 20 or 30 doctors. And they tried external heart massage and his respiration muscles were paralyzed and everything else was paralyzed and he would have lost all his sensation. He still didn't have any blood. You understand really a massive wound. I've never seen a wound like this. 7.05 p.m. April 4th, 1968, Martin Luther King was pronounced dead.
happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night. That we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. This is a CBS News special report. Dan Rather reporting for CBS News from New York. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was shot to death by an assassin late today as he stood on a balcony in Memphis, Tennessee. Dr. King had planned to lead another civil rights march in Memphis next Monday. assassin James Earl Ray did not act alone and that Memphis police, the United States government and the mafia all conspired to kill her husband. Um, and that's something that I've heard before. One day I was in New Birth um, and I had a book and the book did not have a cover. The cover was off. So it was just a bare orange book, chapter book. And Bernice King asked me to come in when I came over to her. She said, what are you reading? I told her what I was reading. It's called a book by James Earl Ray saying, you know, kind of saying he didn't do this he was framed he was set up and bernice king told me to read the book to the end and dig deeper dig deeper because he's not the one that killed my father and i'm a kid and i'm like whoa what i'm studying this i'm into dr king's life and you're telling me that james earl ray your family does not believe that this man killed your father so she scrolled through the book and she was just telling me, I got to do my own research. I got to dig deeper. I got to find out the facts and I'll see who the real killer was. So um, that was that really astounded me. Um, and that wasn't that was my first encounter with Bernie's King. But that was an encounter with Bernie's King, one of many encounters with Bernie's King. Like I said, she was my mentor. That was not the time that I met Bernie's King. I met Bernie's King 
um, when I was a young boy at New Birth, and she was new to New Birth. I had already been there, but I was a young boy intrigued with the story of Dr. King. So being intrigued, and so um, I was already intrigued with Dr. King and his family's life and everything. So to have Bernice King here at New Birth, I had to meet her. And so when I met her, um, you know, she was very interested in me. The first thing she said was that God had a calling on my life, that um, she sees prophecy. She sees prophecy on my life. And she sees um, that God has a greater calling for me and all of this. And she wanted to get my number. She wanted me to be around more. She told my mom to come here. My mom, very shy, didn't want to go. She was very astounded, like, oh, God, okay. So my mom come here. She wanted to keep in touch. My mom, she asked my mom a lot about me. And my mom told her a lot about what I was going through. Um, at the time, my mom was trying to get this homosexual thing out of me. She didn't want me to be gay. She, I was a young boy. Um, she could see that I was very feminine. I had been molested. I had been raped. She felt like, okay, he's straying away. I need help. And so Bernice King was like, okay, you know what? I have somebody who I'm going to put in his life. I can't put myself in his life with him having his father dead and his mom is in his life. It's like another woman getting in his life. So a man needs to be in his life. And so Bernice King hooked me up with Kevin Bentley, which is her security guard. Kevin Bentley, um, you know, mentored me for a short period of time before I really just felt like it was something that he didn't really want to do. He felt it felt like he was being forced to do this. It felt like he was being forced to do this. So I wasn't really interested in um in having him as my mentor uh, so i kind of strayed away from that but i stayed in touch stayed uh with bernie's king always talked to bernie's king always communicating with her going to uh her side at new birth when i go to church stuff like that um so i did already talk a little bit i'm sorry it's my producer i did already talk a little bit about the book um that i got but i remember this time my mom bought um, Bernice King twice. My mom has bought her a Swarovski crystal, crystal teddy bear um, that that is, you know, that sits up on a shelf or up on a dresser or something. And it was about this tall, um, you know, and about this wide. And it was a crystal teddy bear. We went all the way to Lennox Mall Swarovski and got that. And then again, another birthday of Bernice King, my mom ended up buying her this huge huge circle watch i mean i mean circle clock huge circle clock big biggest three or four heads um with all of her family on the background of it from savorsky crystal so it was a savorsky crystal um clock that my mom bought her huge with balloons and cake and all this stuff and i remember her giving me this um necklace um that said be a king dog tag necklace and a rice with a signature in it and I, I loved it so much um it broke so many times end up getting it fixed i think my mom has it at, at um in her storage but um i really wanted to get bernie's king on here and it didn't work out for me unfortunately right anyway so um coretta scott king not believing james earl ray acted alone is not surprising so another thing i wanted to talk about coretta scott king and the king family not believing that james earl ray acted alone so you guys have to do your research and go look up James Earl Ray before he passed away. Unlike a lot of murderers who don't reveal anything, who don't end up telling their life story or what they really did, James Earl Ray seemingly came out and told this whole story, how he was framed by the FBI. He was told he was given a gun, told to run. I read this entire chapter book. And um, when you read it, you begin to get compelled and you begin to feel like, wow, the FBI, the mafia, and everything Coretta Scott King believes is true. She believed the U.S. government, the mafia, the FBI, all of these people conspired to kill her husband and she may be right and james earl ray was a political person he was actually out there um either 
prior to the situation or the same day as the situation passing out political flyers for a presidency for somebody's uh, John F. Kennedy or somebody presidency. And somehow he gets caught up in the running and, and supposedly a gun was passed to him or something like that. And he was framed, completely framed. So people say James Earl Ray, but the family says not just James Earl Ray. James Earl Ray was put up to do this. Dexter King arrived at this Nashville prison to meet the man serving time for the death of his father, Dr. Martin Luther King. The youngest son wanted to look into the eyes of a terminally ill James Earl Ray and ask one question in particular. Did you kill my father? No, no, I didn't, know. And then King offered this. I believe you and my family believes you and we are going to do everything in our power to try and make sure that justice will prevail. Their meeting became a one-hour friendly encounter. King and Ray sat only three feet across from one another. King listened intently to a frail 69-year-old Ray who was battling liver disease. They talked briefly about Ray's health and of hope that the courts will soon give Ray the trial he never had. In 1969, Ray confessed to killing Dr. King, but later recanted, saying he was framed. Over the years, Ray has tried unsuccessfully to get a trial. Last February, the King family testified in Memphis to help reopen the case. An appellate court is now considering the request. Prison doctors have said without a liver transplant, Ray has only months to live, and no donor has been made available. That continues to heighten the King family's concern. Ray may never tell his version of the truth in court. After the meeting, King said it was a success. I can now feel somewhat relieved that, you know, I heard with my... And so a lot of people, um, when they hear that from Bernie's King, when they hear that from Cordis Scott King or somebody in the family, it's kind of like, whoa, y'all don't even believe that he did it, y'all... See, they're from Atlanta, first of all. They're ATL and they black. So, of course, we got a higher way of thinking. They don't believe that it was the surface. They're thinking deeper than the surface. Why would the FBI not want him dead? They've been threatening him. They've been trying to kill him. They've been trying to get me to leave him, sending me videos and pictures and recordings of him cheating. So why would I not believe that the FBI, the U.S. government, because the president hates him too, um, why would I not believe that, that they're not out to kill my husband? So I completely agree and I can understand their thought process completely. Um, being that, you know, this man got threats daily, constantly, hourly, um, you know, constant physical threats and, and verbal threats, literally. I must say that James Earl Ray is now deceased. He died in prison, um, unable to really fully tell his truth. Um, but he did do a few interviews and Coretta Scott King also as well has spoken out about her belief um, on the whole situation coming up next guys is the inspirational vitamin the inspirational vitamin make sure you stay tuned for the inspirational inspirational vitamin and we have some more music Melvin Chris Bell Aretha Franklin Melvin Chris Bell the truth Stevie Wonder Kim Burrell Mary Mary um, more sounds of blackness and more and more and more so make sure you guys stay tuned this is Sunday Flow Show right here on the Urban Binge Radio we'll be right back
What's going on, everybody? Man, it's your boy, JT. And I'd like to continue to thank you guys for tuning in to these devotionals on all social media platforms and outlets. And, you know, I can't get into the word without declaring that word upon you. So I declare from Jeremiah 33:3 that each and every one of us will call upon God and he will tell us great and unsearchable things that we do not know about things to come. I'll be reading from Proverbs chapter six, uh, verses 16 to 19. And without any further ado, let's hop into the word. And the reading of God's word is starting in verse 16. It says, there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and lastly, a person who sows discord in a family. Can I get an amen for the reading of God's word? So as we take a look at this passage, uh, there's one word that sticks out, one word that uh, jumps off the page, and it's that word hate. And especially when you're using God and hate in the same sentence. I know a lot of us saying, well, JT, man, God can't hate because according to 1 John 4, 8, it says that God is love. So if God is love, that means that he cannot hate. But if we take the full nature and the full consideration of God's nature, uh, we see that, yes, the word is true. God is love. But God also loves holiness and God also loves righteousness. So if God is love, God loves holiness and he loves righteousness. That means that he hates the opposite of that. And that word is called sin. See, no matter what we do in our lives, uh, healing place, no matter what we do, the word says that nothing can separate us from the love of God if we are in Christ. So nothing that we can do can make God love us any less and nothing that we can do can make God love us any more than he already does. See, God loves for us never change. Um, it's our love. It's our heart towards God that needs to changing on a daily basis. And so nothing that we can do on this earth can make God love us less, but nothing that we can do on this earth can make God love sin at all. See, sin is not a um, high fashion. Sin is not a good thing when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. And so I know a lot of us love lists. Uh, we got to do lists. We got to don't list. Uh, we got grocery lists. Uh, we got the list of your top five players in the NBA of all time. So I know we all make lists. We all study them and we all know them. And so the proverb, the author of this proverb has given us a list uh, that lets us know what God hates. So in order for us to use strong wisdom, understanding and knowledge, um, it's imperative that we know this list so that we can be one in the spirit and hate everything that God hates. So let's take a look at this list. Huh? The first thing that is said that God detests is haughty eyes. And haughty is another word for uh, prideful or, or proudful. You know, Jesus tells us that the eyes, they are the lamp of the body. So whatever somebody looketh upon, you know, it feeds their heart. So if a person is looking or looking at something in a prideful way, then that pride has just festered inside of their hearts. And that's something that we have to be very, very careful about. So the first thing is haughty eyes. So God understands that a person who, um, Maybe on accident, you know, violate these seven things that uh, we we have just named on this list. A person that violates these things are is a person that wants to uh, stir up discord within their own family, but also in the family of faith. And we know that God doesn't play about his children and God doesn't play about the family of his faith. And God does not tolerate any discord when it comes to his family. So we look at this list right now. We see a few things that we expected to be on there, you know, talking about murder or talking about plot and evil. Uh, but a lot of things on there we didn't think that was going to be on there, like lying. You know, and we think lying is lying on the witness stand and things of this nature. But no, lying even um, is, a, is about lying and exaggerating or just saying a little, like we say, a little white lie. You know, so lying is mentioned on here twice. Uh, so we know the importance that God is stressing about uh, speaking the truth at all times. So the application, how can we take this, JT? How can we use wisdom, understanding? and knowledge with this list. Um, my uh, um, heart is saying this. 
Let's take this list. Um, let's study it and let's know it. Just like first Corinthians six seventeen says, those who are united um, with the Lord are one in spirit with him. So what we need to do is know this list, need to study it so that we are not deliberately or accidentally uh, doing anything that God hates so that we can be on one accord with him. And I know it may sound strange, but we can start to hate the things that God hate and also love the things that he love. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that in Proverbs 6, Lord, verse 16 to 19, you give us a list, Father. You tell us the things that you hate, Father. Lord, so we pray that you are going to our hearts right now. You're penetrating the depths of our hearts. Lord, penetrating the depths of our spirit, our souls, and our bodies. And you give us the same mindset that you have. Lord, your word says that you are love and you love righteousness. You love holiness, Father God. So allow us to love the things that you love, but you have just given us the list of the seven things that you hate, Father. So allow us to hate the things that you hate. I pray that you give us a pure heart, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to saturate us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, that it has given us guidance and it has given us understanding, Lord, to apply this list to our lives, Lord, so we honor you. We thank you. We believe that we have already received these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. He was demanding that we shift our thinking to a beloved community mindset so that we can properly coexist even with our adversaries to avoid being forced to perish together as fools, as he said. We must move beyond the convenient king to the inconvenient king if we're going to save the soul of America and the world and interrupt the self-destructive course that we are currently on. Now, we can't use king for our convenience to tout messages of unity, yet spout divisive rhetoric and work on divisive policies. We can't use king for our convenience to encourage colorblindness and judging people by the content of their character and not do the work of eradicating racism. We can't conveniently use King's philosophy without his methodology. We can't conveniently promote Dr. King's philosophy of nonviolence but pervert it by talking about love without justice and call for peace just to avoid tension and direct action. And conversely, we cannot use direct action that is not love-centered, but is filled with bitterness and rage. You cannot and we cannot conveniently use King to call for unity, then turn around and cancel people wishing for and working towards their destruction. I know you can't hear that, but it's true. We can't conveniently celebrate Dr. King on MLK Day, then fight for him to be banned from schools. But, 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 we also cannot conveniently speak up for him to be taught in schools, but don't fully support his complete teachings around poverty, racism, and militarism. No, we can't conveniently use King to merely engage in philanthropic giving and service, then refuse to be inconvenienced by the reordering of our priorities to work assiduously on addressing those policies and edifice that make the service and philanthropy around hunger, homelessness, and the like necessary. We cannot conveniently tweet what we love to do about King and equality on MLK Day and use the same Twitter account to highlight and justify our transportation of human beings like cargo to prove political points around immigration and sanctuary cities. But, 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 at the same time, we can't conveniently say King is a hero for us 
yet refused to initiate negotiations to create just, humane, equitable, and strategic policies on immigration reform. By the way, Senator Warnock, and this is not directed towards you and all of the other elected officials necessarily in this place today, but if the shoe fits, just wear it. Congress, Congress and the Senate, because I don't want us to get it twisted, even though we call it all Congress, but I'm saying Congress and the Senate, for those who don't understand that, cannot conveniently extol King's dream, but won't set aside partisan politics to pass policies to end the nightmares around economic disparity and unlivable wages, insecure voting rights, the shattering effects of not having responsible gun laws, out of control police brutality, and the climate crisis that is devastating our world house with unprecedented flooding and catastrophic weather patterns. No, 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 no more. We cannot conveniently quote King in response to gun violence in our streets and wars in our world than not use his teachings to interrupt violence in our media, entertainment, policies, language, and culture. Our affinity for convenience is destroying our humanity. We can no longer afford the convenience of technology without the inconvenience of moral integrity. Because as the prophet King warned us, we are in danger of destroying ourselves in the misuse of our own instruments. We can no longer afford the convenience of unfettered spending because as the prophet King warned us as a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense rather than programs of social uplift, that nation is approaching spiritual doom. We can no longer afford the convenience of not studying, studying, studying nonviolence. Because as the prophet King warns us, we still have a choice today. Nonviolent coexistence or violent co-annihilation. And I'm almost at the end now. We are, my brothers and sisters, in a human-made conundrum. But we can come out of this if we choose the inconvenient king that reminds us that we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. And what affects one directly affects all indirectly. And for some strange reason, I can't be all that I ought be until you are all that you ought be. And you can't be all that you ought be until I, Bernice, am all that I ought be. The inconvenient king, look at your neighbor and say the inconvenient king, reminds us that although the moral arc of the universe is long, it does still bend towards justice if we keep doing the righteous and just work. And if we choose community over chaos and coexistence over co-annihilation, then our dawn will break forth like the morning. Each of us, and I mean each of us, has a choice today. It starts with me, Bernice Albertine King. But it's about us choosing today to cultivate that beloved community mindset to transform unjust systems. Now that's the inconvenient king. You're listening to the Urban Binge Radio. Sunday Flow. Precious Lord, take my hand.
This is the Urban Binge Radio. Thunderflow. Nobody else can love me like you. You're the only one that can do what no other God can. You are holy, only. Nobody else can be who you are Stand alone and I stand in awe Of your matchless power You are holy, only, only, only God God, you are
Nobody else can love me like you. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys for staying this long um, in the show. I appreciate that, guys. Make sure you hit that thumbs up. Make sure you hit that bell. And make sure you hit that subscribe button. Please, guys, you don't want to miss the next time we post a video or go live. Make sure you follow us on the podcast. Add us to your podcast list. Follow us, follow us, follow us on the podcast. Add us on the podcast. Guys, make sure you give us a five-star rating on the podcast. And leave a comment. Let us know. Download our podcast, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everybody that's listening. We really appreciate all the love and support. Let's get into some more hot topics. Uh, we'll be right back, guys. Uh, we have another song. This is Melbourne Chris Bell. We'll be right back.
And here's another crazy One of my favorite songs. Which one of them is it? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace for Amazing Oprah. chief who is racist than a mother burning in hell right now oh take all that out i'm sorry welcome back uh yeah aretha be done took you to church right she really be done took you to church uh that was aretha franklin on oprah winfrey and um melvin crispell mahalia jackson aretha franklin precious lord melvin crispell know he be singing um amazing grace oprah was finna get ready to catch the holy ghost up in there wasn't she um, but Aretha and Mahalia, I must say, oh my God, you can tell how the generations get better and better because uh, Karen Clark Sheard is like Aretha to me, you know what I'm saying? And Aretha is like Mahalia, but 
Aretha sounded better than Mahalia, and then Karen came through better than Aretha. So it's like they learned from each other and got better and better. Texture, tones of voice is just similar, but it just sounds so much crispier and more clarity. Uh, Karen Clark Shear definitely sound like a clearer, more cl clarity um, Aretha Franklin um, back in the day. Because Karen's voice, like I've always said, is fading now. It's really not the same like it used to be. But I love Karen. She's my number one. Uh, anyway, let's get into some more hot topics or some more facts. Uh, I wanted to talk about Bernice King and the deaths um, caused her to feel angry. So I was reading up on Dr. Bernice King because, like I said, I want to interview her. And before I interview her, I want to make sure that I'm refreshed on my questions. Because just because she's my mentor and I know her personally doesn't mean I know all of her business. So, um, and I'm, I'm keen to knowing everything about the King family, but mostly about Dr. King and Gordon Scott King. And that's a study in itself. And then you want to move over to Yolanda King, which is the oldest. And she, I closed it. Jody just opened it. And she is a study within herself as, of course, she recently passed out and died after her mom. So, um, you know, you I feel like you have to study them in order. And everybody is, is a class in studying um, th this family. So um, in reading, I read that um, Bernice King at one point had to seek out counseling or a psychiatrist because she was so angry. She was angry at all of the, the, the offenses that were being made uh, towards her family, uh, her family being bombed. I realized when Montgomery started that this was probably the reason we were called to Montgomery. I, after my house was bombed and uh, of course the, all the threats on my husband's life, on my life too, I realized I could have been killed as well because uh, I was in the house when the bomb um, hit the front porch with my young baby and the callers had been calling and they, they said that they were going to bomb our house, told my husband they were going to bomb his house and killed his family if he didn't leave town in three days. Uh, and uh, of course he didn't leave town in three days and they did bomb the house. So knowing that they meant what they said because they actually did uh, bomb the house that they uh, wasn't, it wasn't, the bomb was not um, strong enough to destroy the house. But if it had been, then you know, that would have been very, very sad for all of us, certainly for me and my baby and my husband. But the fact is that I had to deal with the fact that if I continued in the struggle, I too could be killed. And that's when I started praying very seriously about my commitment and whether or not I would be able to stick with my husband to continue in the struggle. And of course, I wasn't, it wasn't that difficult. Uh, it was a struggle, but I knew that we were doing the right thing. I always felt that what, Montgomery, what was happening in Montgomery was part of God's will and purpose. Her family being mistreated, her family being um, all kind, just treated all kind of ways, um, really, really um, made her angry in life. And so I can imagine, I can imagine with her father being assassinated, then her uncle the following year dying in a swimming pool. And then in 1974, uh, early 1970, I believe, uh, her grandmother shot and killed in the church where you're supposed to feel like you're safe at. Big pardon? The color of the suit? Uh, he had on his tan suit, uh, looked like maybe some... Uh... He also stated that he attended Sunday school at the church and then attended regular church services. At approximately 11 a.m., Chenault allegedly pulled two pistols that he had concealed and began firing both weapons. Mrs. King and Deacon Boykin were fatally injured. A third person attending the services 
Mrs. Jimmy Mitchell was wounded. She is listed in good condition at Grady Hospital. Witnesses stated that Chenault shouted something similar to, I am tired of all of this. When the witnesses recovered from the shock of the shootings, several members of the church congregation grabbed Chenault and held him until police arrived. We took him into the custody and the investigation is, as I stated before, continuing. Chenault stated that he received orders from his God to come to Atlanta and kill Reverend Martin Luther King, Sr. He also stated that the reason he shot Mrs. King was because she was nearest to him. A loud noise and pow! Mrs. King said, ooh, that sounds like a bomb. And all of a sudden, I just, he just was on the seat when I saw him. It was done so quickly. And you just heard the shot, you know, heard him shooting. Bow, bow, bow. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Then people began falling on the seats and running and getting panicky, you know. Because I tried to get on the seat myself, but I knew I was already, he had already shot me when I tried to get under the seat. But what I thought, if he shot me once and he was right there by me, he might shoot me again. So I was trying to get under the seat to keep from getting killed. The police feel that they've got an open and shut case against Chenault. But to make sure that he was operating alone, they need to trace his movements as closely as possible. So they're asking any taxi drivers who might have carried this man yesterday morning to contact the homicide squad. Robert Cohen, WSB News. Uh, so what left is there to think besides, um, am I next? Am I next? Am I going to be messed with next? And I don't want to be bothered with, because if I'm bothered with it, I'm not going to do what my daddy did, non-violence. I'm using violence. Damn, I know I can't reach over there and hit you, but I can hit you with this damn 15. I promise you, I can hit you dead with this 15 if you don't shut your damn mouth. Mabel, hmm? you hit me with that damn 15, and I promise you, it's going to be 30 when it gets back over there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Bernice felt. So, um, she, you know, she wanted to seek out counseling so that she doesn't um, feel those ways and, and, you know, lash out in an angry way, something that her father has been so against uh, for all of his uh, short, his short life. Um, but also something that I really want to know is life in ATL. You know, life in ATL, how is it after Dr. King dies, you know, is, is the mayor getting uh, Coretta Scott King and her family um, security? When, when when life is changing, times are changing after he died, it was like he had to die to get this right, is what it seems like. He was a sacrifice, my God. And um, with his sacrifice um, came the right away. But with that, I wonder if they got security or if they got, um, you know, taken care of because Bernice King went to Douglas High School. Um, that's Doug High in the ATL. I want to know how was it being the Dr. King's children still wanting to go to Atlanta public schools, seeing your father everywhere, everywhere around the school. Literally, you go to social media class and you're learning about your father, seeing things that you didn't know and seeing things that, um, you know, that you did know. Uh, seeing things that they might not have had accurate at all that you felt like wait a minute that's not true that's not how that went um you know I, I, i'm intrigued in knowing um i'm intrigued i want to know 
what was it like what was her thought process and what was it like in those times um just being the daughter of dr king living in um a 70s and 80s atlanta you know what i'm saying i can pretty much tell how the 90s was but what about the 80s and the 70s of atlanta so anyway um we're gonna get into some more music we will be right back thank you guys this is the sunday flow show the urban bench radio thank you guys for tuning in we'll be right back You're listening to the Urban Binge Radio.
This, 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 this is the Earth Things Radio. Radio. There was, there was, there was. That was something on the inside so strong. A lot of people can't find that song. Um, that song is not located, really is not located on the Wild Gospel album. Um, um, the CD, I think, is only located on the cassette tape, Wild Gospel 2002, 2003, if I'm not mistaken. I, I can't remember. 2002, 2003, whatever I put on the screen. Whatever was on the screen. Um, but it's I definitely know it's on the DVD. Not the DVD, but the tape. My mom had the VHS tape, so I definitely am sure it is on the VHS tape. Um, that video that you just watched is at the end. The very last song before the credits go up um, is that song uh, featuring Coretta Scott King. It's like a surprise bonus track. And I mean, I literally love that song. It's kind of like um, We Are the World, um, kind of, sort of, but 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 just, you know, a dedication to Rosa Park from all of the, or a lot of the gospel singers, I'm assuming, that had a contract with Verity or Variety Records, however you say their name, Verity or Variety Records. I n- never knew how to say it. Mm, Vicky Mac, I believe that's the lady who used to own it, Vicky Mac, Lataya, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyway, um, so let's move on. And then we had also Be Slade. I'm sorry. I know you guys are like, you're going to play that man's whole album. No, I'm not. Mind your business. I'm not going to play his whole album. And that wasn't even on the album. I Am A Man is on his band camp. You can only find that on the band camp. That is a single that he released about two or three years ago or one year ago. But I believe it's like two or three years ago when he released the single. I Am A Man dedicated to Dr. King, as a matter of fact. And um, I love that song. The man, like I said, is a masterclass in itself. If you desire to sing... Um, like 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 a bird if you desire to just really blow then you got to know who b slate is you got to know who tone is um a lot of r&b singers usher tank all of them know who this man is he is like the greatest male vocalist in uh the skin color black or in the male singing industry hell this man has range like no other if you know tone then you know if you know b slate then you know what i'm talking about this man can blow he's like no other Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Um, I cannot thank you enough. Um, hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button, guys. And make sure you listen on the podcast, the Urban Bench Radio podcast. Thank you so much. Coretta Scott King's little-known history as an LGBTQ advocate. Coretta Scott King is remembered by most as the wife of Martin Luther King Jr. and a fierce advocate for racial equality in her own right. But did you know she was also a warrior for the LGBTQ community? The civil rights activist has been credited for making room for the LGBTQ community in the civil rights movement, a controversial move in the late 80s and early 90s. She faced backlash for her involvement with LGBTQ rights. Critics believe she should have paid her full attention to racial racial equality instead. I still hear people say that I should not be talking about the rights of lesbian and gay people, and I should stick to the issue of racial justice. But I hasten to remind them that Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. In 1983, Coretta asked openly gay poet Audre Lorde to speak at a rally celebrating the 20th anniversary of the 1963 March on Washington. 
It was considered an unofficial welcome to the LGBTQ community from Coretta, the King Center, and the civil rights movement as a whole. In 1993, Coretta held a press conference urging President Bill Clinton to repeal his don't ask, don't tell policy, banning LGBTQ people from serving openly in the military. It would be 2011 before President Barack Obama repealed the rule. Coretta eventually shifted her focus to legalizing same-sex marriage nationwide. She publicly denounced President George W. Bush's support for a constitutional amendment banning gay marriage and fearlessly fought for nationwide same-sex marriage until her death in 2006. The Supreme Court wouldn't rule for nationwide same-sex marriage until 2015, nine years after Coretta's death. Share to spread Coretta's legacy of inclusion. We are extremely fortunate to have Coretta Scott King with us here today. Mrs. King is one of the most respected women in the world and she happens to be my boss. She is a leading activist. She stood with her husband, Martin Luther King Jr. She's the founder of the Martin Luther King Jr. Center for Nonviolent Social Change here in Atlanta. Many don't know that she was a concert singer. She gave up her career basically, but during the movement, she sang these freedom concerts that uh, portrayed the movement and raised money for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Dr. King's organization. I'm very proud uh, to also note that during the 20th anniversary of the March on Washington, Mrs. King led the largest coalition on a human rights issue. And during that time, there were some folks that didn't want gays and lesbians participating, but it was Mrs. King who led the coalition and said, yes, they have a place at the table and made sure we were there. So without further delay, people of the world, listen, think, and act, and welcome Mrs. Coretta Scott King to your stage. commitment to human rights for all people and I want to express my appreciation to the Atlanta Pride Committee for inviting me to join you today and for organizing this impressive demonstration of solidarity and hope. One of the reasons I wanted to join you today is to affirm my wholehearted support of freedom from discrimination for lesbian and gay people. I do so because I believe that all forms of persecution is wrong. As, as my husband Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have fought too long and hard against segregation segregated public accommodations to end up segregating my moral concerns. Justice is indivisible. The civil rights movement that I believe in thrives on unity and inclusion, not division and exclusion. who oppose discrimination and support equal rights should stand together to resist every attempt to restrict civil rights in this country. 
Another reason for joining together in coalitions is that we share common adversaries. The church burners and the gay bashers drink from the same poisonous well of hatred and male violence. And very often they are one and the same. In this important election year, we share a critical interest in the election of candidates who will support and protect human rights. I would urge everyone who believes in Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of a nation free from bigotry and discrimination to vote against attempts to deny the promise of America to any citizen. The series of church burnings over the last 18 months bring a timely reminder that we should be very concerned about hate groups and extremists who commit violent acts against minorities. In addition, we share concern about candidates who hope to win votes by bashing gay and lesbian people and pandering to the irrational fears and ignorance of the constituents. Let's make 1996 be the year that we put tolerance and human rights for all people in the forefront of our national agenda. Finally, I want to assure you that I will continue to support you in your efforts to rid our country and the nation of all forms of bigotry, of racism, sexism, and homophobia. And now is the time to educate yourselves and your fellow voters about the candidate's position on discrimination issues. Most importantly of all, I hope you will make a commitment to get out and vote on election day so we can turn this country around and create a society where all people can live together with respect, tolerance, and a new spirit of hope and opportunity. With this commitment, together we shall overcome. Thank you and God bless you. Scott King stood for, up for gay rights in support of gay marriage and stated, um, once stated that her husband would have been also. So uh, she did state that her husband would have been um, a 
a proud advocate of gay rights and gay marriage. Uh, although Bernice King um, has publicly opposed to that and opposed that her father would would support it, she she actually believes differently. Um, she also did that that march that I remember attending when I was about seven years seven years old. Because if you guys don't remember, I was partially raised at New Birth a lot most of my life. The church that I was raised at the most was New Birth. Um, but we did do that march. My mom went to New Birth faithfully every Sunday, every Wednesday night. Then when Bible study changed to Tuesday night, my mom was there every Tuesday night. But we were there faithfully. And um, we went to the, to, the, to the march from the Capitol to the King Center. And we had to march in silence. But I never knew it was a, um, a, a march against gays from what the news say. Bernice King came and cleaned that up real quick and said that that was not what that was about. And this is why a lot of people were so upset with Bishop Long, because it felt like you're doing these marches, you're preaching against homosexuality, but you're being accused of the very thing that you preach against. So that was the thing that people got really upset about. But for the most part, um, Bernice King, let me say that Bernice King said she did not leave for that purpose. She didn't leave for that reason. But now Bernice King did write a letter in support of gay marriage to Kamala Harris or Barack Obama or something recently um, when Barack was president or Kamala or something like that in support of so um her views have changed her views is one way they've changed i've always thought bernice king was very masculine but it could come from so much trauma happening in her life that she feels like she has to put on a uh demeanor like her father's a a don't step to me type of demeanor don't play with me don't try me because i'm standing up for for what's right over here um so that's what her demeanor has always been like she got a gun on her side and another one on the other side that like i bust a cap and let's not forget, she is from the ATL Fulton County. Okay, y'all, so <laughs> Bernice King might can go there. King, Elder Bernice King, a lot of things have been going on around in the media about you. And I just want you to share with our listeners from your heart. And, and I, I'm here to do that. Um, I, I, I know there's been a lot of speculation, many comments about uh, my departure from New Birth. Um, but I want you, and I'm asking you and, and your audience to uh, take my word for what I'm going to share on this uh, afternoon. And I chose, I want you to know that I chose this forum uh, because we've been here every week yeah. consistently for the past, hear this, eight months yeah. with you and your audience. And um, I know you and I, and I, I trust you and uh, your audience, your listeners, should I say, know me and I hope that they trust me. And so um, I, I feel comfortable here. And uh, what I want to do is, is to just uh, do what you said, share my heart concerning my, my future ministry plans with you and your listeners first. Uh, and let me start by just clarifying and letting uh, all of your listeners and others who've tuned in today to know uh, that after eight years and eight months, that number keeps coming up eight. <laughs> um, my last Sunday as a member of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church um, was this past Sunday. Um, and uh, we can talk about that. And we will, uh, because the media is saying stepping down as the elder at New Birth. When we come back, we'll talk about that, okay? Yes, Can sir. we do that? I'm ready to talk about it. All right, we'll do that right here on Praise 1025. Well, we're back, and an exclusive talk and conversation, heart to heart, with Elder Bernie Skeen today. Of course, uh, Elder Bernie Skeen, you know all over the media about you stepping down as elder at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. You want to... Uh, and I heard I resigned. Did you? I was a little confused about that because I've never been on staff. I've never been an employee of New Birth. Okay. Uh, I didn't step down because I didn't step up. <laughs> I was already an ordained minister when I got to um, New Birth and Elder, just as you know, uh, happens to be the title that they use yeah. uh, in, in their particular church. 
um, as Ebenezer would use reverend. Mm -hmm. So they're the same. So if you leave a Baptist church, they don't say you step down as reverend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I, I am just no longer a member of New Birth. Um, I occasionally uh, worked in the pulpit and uh, preached at, at New Birth, um, but that was the extent of my um, function at, at the church. Uh, but let me let me say this. <clears throat> when I came to New Birth, I came for a season. Um, and uh, I, I expected that season not to be quite as long as it was. And uh, what happened is my mother, of course, passed in 2006. She started getting sick in 2005. Um, while I was at New Birth, in fact, um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about my next assignment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was wrestling as I did with my calling. It took me seven years to finally resign to my call into ministry. Um, and it's about seven years since the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a service uh, that Bishop was ministering at. Um, and uh, of course, shortly thereafter in 2005, my mother started getting ill, so I had to attend to her. Then she passed and I had to deal with that whole grief cycle. Yeah. Then suddenly my sister passed um, and I had to go back through another cycle. Uh, and then suddenly uh, we were involved in a uh, legal um, conflict uh, with our brother. Um, and um, then I got this, you know, direction about SCLC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so through all of this, you know, all things work together for good, as we know, to them that love the Lord and are called according to the purpose. And this past January, I made the decision um, at, uh, about not accepting the presidency of SCLC, and that's, you know, that was on the record. And at that point, I was faced again with this, this calling, um, this next assignment. And I started really praying and, and meditating uh, over it, and uh, I knew... Uh, in 2009 that it was very present and so for two years um, I had really been heavily wrestling but I couldn't reconcile SELC and this new assignment yeah. together and so once the SELC situation cleared the air I was faced once again and uh, as I prayed I, I, I was released at that point to go to Bishop and we sat down and talked and I told him that uh, um, I have to leave because my you know my assignment that God has on my life I must go and pursue and uh, that I will be leaving at the end of May um, and, and that's uh, what transpired. Of course, you know, he gave me his, his blessings and, and supported me in it. Um, and that was this last, this past Sunday was my last Sunday. So that was uh, at the beginning of April when we had that conversation. So what do you say to those people that are listening now saying, wow, it's ironic all this happened at the same time, seemingly? What do you say to that? Because I want you to really clear that up because some people think I, that. I can't, I can't clear up the mind of God. Yeah. You know, I have always followed what I believe to be the voice of God in my life. Uh, and I've sought to be obedient to that voice. Um, just as when I left my previous church, it was a very difficult decision, but I had to be obedient to leave and, and go to new birth. And in this instance, it's the same thing. Um, you know, I know that I have a pastoral calling on my life, and I had to accept it. Um, and I am in the process of pursuing that. Uh, and so this was the timing that God gave me at the end of May, and that's where my mind has always been focused. And I believe wherever, whoever you are, especially to your listeners, most of whom are Christians, um, when you're in leadership at a church, there's a way that you leave. You don't just leave, right. you know. And so I did what I felt uh, was appropriate in le leadership, which was sit down and talk with him, and then gave the timetable as to when I would be leaving. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't just, you know, go and then left the next day. Um, you know, I did what I thought was appropriate as as a leader um, in the church, and and that was the decision that the Holy Spirit placed in my heart, which was May 29th, you know, the last Sunday in May, um, and I never wavered from it. Yeah. Well, when we come back, I want to continue talking about you moving forward. As we wrap up our conversation this afternoon, exclusive. And Bernice, thank you, first of all, for giving us the exclusive. I really appreciate that. All right. Praise. Thank you. I, I thank you. Go there. Thank you. Well, look here. I thank you all for allowing me this, this time. I thank you, especially G, uh, 
And uh, I want to thank the, the manager and the, the program director on uh, my praise ATL family. Um, I, I just thank you for this wonderful opportunity. And uh, I want to thank all the media outlets that are here today, too, um, to, re to report on this and, and thank them for uh, reporting a positive story yeah. instead of a negative story. So what's next? Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to launch a ministry. I, okay. I'm not calling it a church right now um, because I believe that Christ builds his church. And I don't want to do that because uh, what God is showing me um, doesn't look like what people are accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to be spending time over the next uh, several months preparing and building the foundation for that. And I'm asking everyone for their prayers um, as I go through this, uh, this process. You know, I come from four generations of preachers, three generations of pastors. Um, and uh, although I've wrestled a long time with uh, stepping into a pastoral function, um, I have now surrendered. I, I surrendered to God several, several months ago at the beginning of this year. I said I yield. I knew I could no longer fight the mandate on my life. And one of the things he told me um, is that I am to raise up kings for the kingdom. If Jesus is king of kings, who yeah. is he king of? Yeah. Who are these kings in the earth? And so that is the mandate on my life as I, you know, seek to uh, uh, equip, educate, equip, and empower the kings for the kingdom. Uh, and, and so uh, there will be more to come. I ask people to continue to stay uh, in touch with my Be A King Facebook fan page. Um, we will be on Twitter um, and uh, then my, my website uh, we will, I'm at BernieSking.com right now but we will be rolling it uh, out later in terms of the name of what it is uh, but let me just say this um, my, my uh, eight years at New Birth, eight years and eight months um, I was tremendously blessed by the ministry of Bishop um, and I went through some very difficult seasons as I shared in the beginning parts uh, with my, the death of my mother and then my sister and then the whole S, uh, the, uh, the um, situation with my brother and the SCLC thing. And so I, as I said to him and as I want to say today, I want to thank him and the New Birth family for all of their love and support uh, during the time that I was uh, at New Birth and, and all of their prayers. And I, I appreciate it and I know that they will continue to keep me uh, in their prayers just as Ebenezer is a part of me as my foundation and the uh, Greater Rising Star Baptist Church that church where I served as an assistant pastor for 10 years of, uh, uh, and then now new birth they are all a part of me as I go forward and establish the work that God has called me to do um, to oversee the people he assigns me to and I know it's a remnant I'm not into numbers I'm into discipleship uh, because we must raise up true disciples of the kingdom of God uh, so that the king kingdoms of this world can become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and that is my mandate as I go forward. So thank all you listeners. Thank you, Rodell, once again, and Praise 1025. I love you and appreciate you. And we will be back here next Tuesday yeah, for Praise say, Descendants. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, God speed with you as well. And yes, as always on Tuesdays, we have Raise the Standard Tuesday with Elder Bernice King. And we look forward to continuing that segment here on Praise. Uh, we've enjoyed you and the listeners have enjoyed you. I already spoke about it, um, and I have it down here again where um, Bernice King views. I want to just state that her views on homosexuality are no longer um, her views uh, that she had before. So nobody has to worry about um, Bernice King um, not liking gays because I'm pretty sure um, a lot of people first thought is she don't like gay people. No, that's not true. Okay, I'm going to go down here and we're going to go read exactly um, what it says. For her. She's had a lot of legal issues come up against her 
uh, March Against Same Sex. On December 11, 2004, King participated in a March Against Same Sex marriage in Atlanta. This action was in contrast to the advocacy of her mother, Coretta Scott King, and her older sister, Yolanda, both longtime outspoken supporters of gay rights. She was joined by senior pastor at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, Bishop Eddie L. Long, who said in a written statement that the march was not to protest same-sex marriage, but to present a unified version of righteousness in justice. At the same time, the march at the same time of the march, King said she be she had become a spiritual daughter of Eddie Long's, and the issue of same-sex marriage legalization had left many divided. The question is, how do you overcome that pain? She said, it may be the wedge that stays with us for a long time. We have to get to a place where it does not become the most defining issue of our time, is what she said. She incorporated the King Center and the eternal flame at her father's tomb into the march. The King Center denied her permission to begin the march at her father's tomb and accused her of doing so to provide support for her own personal cause and to enhance her personal standing at Newburgh. The event was also criticized by gay rights organizations, which stated it betrayed the legacy of her father. Chuck Bowen, a, a spokesman for Georgia Equality, stated that he was surprised to learn of the march and quoted saying, I think it's very sad. I think she's abusing the good name of her father, Dr. King, and the work he did creating equality for all Americans. Um, so she's had her own uh, personal views, aside from her mother's, aside from her sister, um, regarding her thoughts and her own feelings um, on homosexuality and gay rights. In 2005, she led a march to her father's gravesite and at the same time called for a constitutional ban on gay marriage. She once said to LGBT supporters that her father did not take a bullet for the same-sex marriage people. Um, but there's no quote, but it says here, during Atlanta's 2012 Martin Luther King Jr. Day rally, King included LGBT people among the various groups who needed to come together to fulfill her father's legacy. When speaking at Brown University in 2013, King made a statement regarding her beliefs about the origins of marriage. I believe that family was created and ordained first and foremost by God, that he instituted the marriage, and that's a law that every that that he instituted and not that we instituted. And about the origins of same-sex attraction, I also don't believe everybody was born that way. I know some people who have been violated. I know some people have unfortunately delved in it themselves as an experiment. King has publicly stated that her father would have been against gay marriage. Her statement was in con contradiction of her mother, Coretta Scott King, who was an avid supporter of the LGBTQ community and publicly stated her husband would have also been an avid supporter of the LGBTQ community. However, by 2015, it appeared that Bernice King had changed her stance on the matter of LGBTQ and same-sex attraction and marriage as she issued a press release as the CEO of the King Center supporting the Supreme Court's same-sex marriage ruling, which, like I said, was um, Barack Obama's um, term. Uh, so yeah, her views on homosexuality and gays have changed. She's never been with a man that that we know of publicly, and she does not have children. And she um, is she, you know, she she's she's masculine. You know, she she um, has this masculinity, this hardness about her. Um, so a lot of people. I believe um, it's not far from a lot of people's mind to um, think that she is gay or may like or be attracted to women because of how she carries herself and how she walks and how she stands and how she, her demeanor is. It's a lot about her that makes you feel like she is a Navy um, veteran, you know, like she comes from the Navy um, or like she come from um, working in the prison or something like that. You know what I'm saying? 
that's her whole demeanor but like i said her stance on homosexuality has changed she's no longer uh thinking the way she used to about homosexuality i just want her to say what she feels her father would stand for like her mother um spoke out and said i wonder what she thinks now um that she is you know no longer at new birth if that was being an influence on her and was new birth an influence on the way of her thinking was it you know now can she say that if that was i don't know i have many questions for dr king if he was still alive but i have a lot for bernice king as well as she is still alive um never thought about speaking with dexter or martin although i've met both of them i've met coretta scott king i've taken pictures with coretta scott king but i've never um really had a conversation or spoken with dexter or martin um but i know bernice king very well uh, i've introduced jay to bernice king he's met bernice king he's also met and had held several conversations with Kendra King which is the cousin to Bernie's King um and a very close dear um mentor another mentor of mine that that is I'm much closer to than I am um, Bernice because as you know Bernice is very busy so I'm close to her but she has other people in her camp who you can you know attach to and Kendra is somebody who I just I really love and Elder Drain who is with uh, Bernice all the time they were all ordained elders by Bishop Long so Elder Bernice King Elder Drain and Kendra King she was not ordained but she is now a minister with her husband um, Momin Elder Momin who I believe is Minister Momin now anyway the last two songs that you have is Ted and Sherry thank him by Ted and Sherry, thank him. And B Slay Black Blood. You, you, you're listening to the Urban Binge Radio. Every morning when I wake, I thank him for the breath I freely take. And he never overtaxes me All he has is sincerity And yes, he is my closest friend Sticks by me through thick and through thin I give him praise and glory for he's been so kind and sweet And I want to thank him For all he's done for me oh, 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 thank him For all he's done for me Now when I lay me Surely I know that he's keeping me And he will never ever leave my side Under his wings is where I'll abide Though I don't always give him my best He's never shown in his faithfulness Now I just can't let a day get away Without giving him glory and praise And I want to thank him For all he's done for me Oh, 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 oh,
You can follow our social media uh, at the Urban Binge, at the Urban Binge on Instagram, at the Urban Binge on Twitter, at T H E E, the Urban Binge on Facebook. So that's the Urban Binge on Facebook. Everywhere else, the Urban Binge, T H E, Facebook, T H E E, the Urban Binge. So make sure you check us out. And on the podcast, the Urban Binge Radio Podcast, everywhere podcasts can be heard, the Urban Binge Radio Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, everywhere podcasts can be heard. Just type in Google search the Urban Binge Radio Podcast, and you can listen to the show instead of watching it on YouTube. Make sure you give us five stars. Make sure you download the show and make sure you comment and give us a great rating. Also, come back here on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, watching on the listening on the podcast, come to YouTube. The YouTube is, you can search the handle at Rebel TV, or you can search Rico Live, and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Also, go over to our other channel while you're at it, at The Urban Binge, at The Urban Binge on YouTube, so you can subscribe to Rebel TV and um, at the Urban Binge on um, on YouTube. So just type in at Rebel TV and at Rebel TV 2. At Rebel TV and at Rebel TV 2. Subscribe to both of those channels at Rebel TV and at Rebel TV 2. And you have ding, 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 the top floor. You've reached us. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the penthouse. penthouse. You've reached the top floor. What you did not know about Miss... Coretta Scott King may surprise you. And that's that at Antioch College, she dated a white Jewish guy until she realized that, you know, there was a divide between the two. So before she even met Dr. King at Antioch College, she ended up dating a Jewish white guy. And they broke that off because they realized they were not compatible. They were not um, a good match for each other. Um, and speaking of a good match for each other, I'm going to say um, what fun fact number eight is. And that is Coretta Scott King and Dr. King were the perfect relationship. According to God's zodiac sign, if you guys go look up the zodiac table and the zodiac signs, which is designed by God, uh, witches have taken zodiac signs and which witched it up. And um, they believe they're telling your fortune when in actuality they get a fuzzy view because they're witches. So they're not using their prophecy in the right way. God did not ask them to come tell you that you're about to die from a car accident. So God will wipe that away to make them look wrong. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I think. 
So that's the devil, bitch. Um, fun fact number eight, like I said, they were the perfect match according to the zodiac table. They were Taurus and Capricorn. If you go look up Taurus and Capricorn, it says that they are the perfect match. They are a couple that would be hard to break up. It, it, it describes them as the couple with the van and the stickers on the back seat. We're happy. I love my honey. We just got married. We have kids. Just had another, like, very happy meant to be together. That is a couple that's meant to be there. Everybody has zodiac signs that's meant for the other zodiac sign. Doesn't mean that the race shit would always work. Um, doesn't mean that Coretta and Bernie, I mean, Coretta and Dr. King was working. But from what the zodiac table says, they were a perfect relationship. So the ones that do work will stick together forever. It's unfortunate that death did them part, so we would not know how long that relationship will last. But them being who they are, I'm pretty sure they would be together until the last breath that they took, which ultimately they did. But I'm saying if they were, you know, older and got to live to see that. Coretta Scott King, I believe, died at age 80 or 78 or something like that. 76, 78 or 83, 84, something like that. Um, so she wasn't, she died in 2007. She died in Mexico. She wasn't, um, you know, too much as young as Dr. King was when she died. At least she lived out a lot of her life and was able to do a lot. Um, so anyway, yeah, those are um, eight fun facts about Dr. King and Coretta Scott King. I think the most shocking one is that Ralph Abernathy wrote this book. That I never knew. And that the FBI sent um, these recordings of him cheating to her and they, they didn't phase her at all. Um, so when I say uh, I was married to the cause, uh, I was married to my husband whom I loved. I learned to love, it wasn't love at first sight, but I also became married to the cause. It was my cause and that's the way I felt about it. And so when my husband was no longer there, then I could continue that in that cause and I prayed that God would give me the, the direction for my life to give me the strength to do what it was that, and the ability to do what it was that he had called me to do. And I was trying to seek what is it that I'm supposed to do now that Martin is no longer here. And I finally... You're listening to the Urban Binge Radio. Sunday Flow. Philly Classic. Philly Real Soul Classic. There's a possibility that you'll look at me differently, love. Ever since the first moment I spoke your name, from then on I knew that by you being in my life, things we're destined to change Cause love So many people use Your name in vain Love For those 
faith in you sometimes go astray Love. through all the ups and downs the joy and hurt love better or worse I still will choose you first oh. chance to get to know you longing for your kiss for your touch for your fear for your essence many nights I've cried from the things you do felt like I could die from the thought of losing you I know that you're
That's why we're here tonight, Jeff, because of love. Cause we believe in you. We believe in you. You're incredible musician. You've gone all over this world. You're incredible man. You're incredible spirit. Jeff, watch all you are the man. They will never, never go astray. You preach with that thing. You, you love with that thing. God gave you how to play, how to play that thing. here i thank you guys so much for tuning in again thank you guys so much for listening i really appreciate it follow us continue to listen i will be back here um the week after next next week and then the week after next so you guys will see um this show next week and then i'll be back the following sunday um after next sunday so today is january 29th supposed to be and then the following sunday and then the following sunday will be a new episode and i'll see you guys then Hopefully, we can have somebody come on the show, a special guest. I'm supposed to be having some special guests. Um, this is episode one. we got a couple more episodes to go, guys. So stay tuned. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Share this. Share this with your friends. Share it, share it, share it. Please hit the thumbs up, guys. Hit the thumbs up and share this with all of your friends and everybody around. Let them know they can be inspired. And listen on your way to church. Listen, listen, listen to the Sunday Flow Show on the Urban Bench Radio Podcast. The Urban Bench Radio Podcast, Sunday Flow Show, and you'll find us. See you guys later. I'm out. The last songs that you have is Be Slave, Black Blood. See you guys later. See you guys next Sunday. Bye-bye. And here's another crazy jam. Right here on the Urban Binge Radio. Sunday first. Tired of marching. Tired of marching for something that should have been mine at first. <laughs> I'm saying to you tonight.
saying to you tonight that I'm tired of the tension surrounding our days. I don't mind saying to you tonight that I'm tired of living every day under the threat of death. I have no modern complex. I want to live as long as anybody in this building tonight. And sometimes I begin to doubt whether I'm going to make it through. I must confess I'm tired. Crooked law enforcement 
there's a point of being policed where we just reach our wit's end, and this is our wit's end. This is a war. stood on the balcony of a hotel here. He died less than an hour later in St. Joseph Hospital. The Urban Binge Radio Podcast, where we discuss viral topics, hot jams, new artists, fun, and informative interviews and conversations. This is your new stop for the hottest trend in urban culture news. Two shows, one podcast, The Urban Binge Show and Sunday Flow Show powered by The Urban Binge. The Urban Binge Radio Podcast. Listen anywhere podcasts can be heard.